Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Journey, a 16-week odyssey of grit, determination, endurance, and will, where the weak are exposed and the strong revered. From Bleed Entertainment, this is Falcon's Flight. Insights and analysis on your Atlanta Falcons. Now, here's Robert Taylor and your host, Brian Giffen. It is Falcons flight as the Atlanta Falcons digress, I guess I should say, to 0-4, a 30-16 loss to the Green Bay Packers on Monday night. And we're glad to have you with us. I'm Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor to my right. And joining us over the telephone is Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons. And guys, the offense had its struggles in this game, 3-for-12 on third down. And the defense, on the other hand, though shredded by injuries, they also got shredded by Aaron Rodgers, Robert. Yeah, and it's still one of those things. Everybody's come out on social media, Instagram, and they've said, Dan Quinn is my coach. There's not a guy I'd rather be in the trenches with. And they say the true measure of a man is how he reacts when things are bad. So they're still all in. They're still all behind him. But I do have some potential replacement candidates we can talk about. And I got the one and only stat you need to know, but I'm going to save it for a little bit. But it's just a matter of how do you get a win? And their next five games coming up, it's a pretty good gauntlet of shame, I should say. I don't think anybody in there has a winning record. That starts this coming Sunday with Carolina's division play gets underway. And speaking of, a program reminder, we'll have Tyrone Poole, a former NFLer who is part of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast, along with Desmond Johnson. He'll join us in the middle of the show. You can bet the Falcons are going to be searching for answers. And speaking of bet, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag, A-G, and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Joining us over the phone is Scott Johns. And, Scott, it's fair to say this defense has been riddled by injuries. They lose DeMonte KZ for the season, another Achilles injury, and they've been out or without one big name after another. And that's easy pickings for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who goes 27 of 33, throws for four scores. They had seven plays, big plays, that is, of 20 yards or more. Needless to say, not the best defensive effort, despite the loss of personnel that the Falcons have ever put together. Well, it's one thing when your defense is missing some key starters, and of course the secondary has been ravaged by injury. But I think the problem is the philosophy. You know, we're not in place to cover certain concepts, and it shows. Even the young guys, some of the guys that came up from the practice squad, and you've heard this all season so far, it falls on the coaching. When you're not putting your defensive backs in position to cover those big plays down the field it solely falls on their shoulders so it's been tough to watch for sure but 
you know, and unfortunately I don't see it getting any better from the defensive calling standpoint. We're just not disguising anything. And for a veteran quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, he's going to feast on that all day. So, Scott, I guess a question I have for you is everybody questions play calling and says we're not doing this, we're not doing that. Why does that keep happening week in and week out? Why can't they put their finger on the button, figure out this thing, get it turned around, and get some Ws? As a fan, I'm going, well, what the hell, man? You're playing against Aaron Rodgers. You're not disguising anything on defense. Why? Well, I think one of the common themes here is the inability or the willful refusal change and what teams are doing and the reason that we're looking like we're on the upswing in the first half is because we come in with our game plan and we do a pretty good job of implementing a game plan but in the nfl it's a chess match you have to be able to adjust and more importantly you have to adjust to the other team's adjustments and that's something that atlanta just refuses to do dan quint and raheem morris on the defensive side of the football just refuse to come out of their base defense and when you stay in your base defense you know in the second half the offensive coordinator and the quarterback have figured out where the soft spots are in the zone and who they can attack in certain situations, and they're doing just that. So there's a reason for all these comebacks. The, the Falcons aren't just cursed and we're blowing these big leads because we're refusing to come out of our base defense in the second half and switch it up at all just because there's, there's such a stubbornness to the play calling. Concerns as you look ahead to Carolina. Julio Jones had four catches in the first half of this one, did not return from the locker room. Calvin Ridley was really a non-factor. Neither were 100% prior to this game, but another guy steps up. Very important targets, and if you're going to turn this thing around, it starts with, I think, A, playing better defense, but also you got to have your weapons to go do what you do. Well, there's no question. I mean, you've got to have those guys healthy and on the field. You know, that's probably the best one-two punch when they're healthy, wide receiver. And, and, of course, you know, Matt has great chemistry with both of those players. But you got to, you know, and I've said this before on previous podcasts, but the best ability is availability. And, and unfortunately, you know, Julio seems like he's perpetually injured, but he sometimes plays through it. He didn't come out of the locker room in the second half. I think they game plan for Ridley very well. I think the Packers defense really found a way to neutralize him and had a couple of lucky breaks in there as well. But they've got to be ready to go, especially for a division opponent. And this is really, I mean, if you don't win this game Sunday, your season's pretty much over, unfortunately. At 0-4, there's only one team ever in the history of the NFL to make the playoffs. It's Marion Butts and the 92 Chargers. They started out 0-4. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it looks as though it's over now. That comment you made earlier is not sitting well with me about stubbornness and their unwillingness to change. At 0-4, you'd think now they better be ready to change. They better be open to it, some different schemes and adjustments, because that to me just seems so ridiculous. I can't wrap my brain around that. The fan side of me says, you know, you want to think that they're a critical mass in Flattery Branch, so they're going, okay, now we need to change our philosophy a little bit, or at least, you know, try some things, some different blitzes, some different packages to – move around some of our zone coverages. You know, you're facing a team this week in Carolina that's, that's absolutely beatable. You get pressure on Teddy Bridgewater and you, you take away some of the short throws, and we certainly have the speed on defense to do that. You're going to find yourself on the positive side of that final score, but it starts this week. And like you said in the, in the beginning, we're about to go on a five-game journey here where you can absolutely come out of this thing five and four because I'm not saying there's a lot of reason for hope, but if you're going to get right, this is the spot that's scheduled to do it, and then, you know, come whatever may after that. And the only other bright spot that really gives me hope is the fact that there's an extra playoff seed this year with the seventh seed in the NFC and AFC playoff field. So if there's anything to be salvaged from this season, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm going to keep driving this point home. It starts this week, and especially to get right against the division opponent could be a springboard. Let's get into our sound cuts real quickly here. The Falcons, of course, falling to 0-4. Here is Dan Quinn on the frustrations that have befallen his team. 
when we spoke last night, I said in the locker room, the word frustrated, I think as we got into today, that word is now becoming determined. As we get started, we have Carolina up next, but honestly, it really comes down to us and all the things that we need to do. And we got to stop beating ourselves. We've had some opportunities and we haven't nailed them like we need to. And honestly, that's what it's going to come down to us not beating ourselves. That's why I have so much faith in the locker room and all the men that's inside it, because I know we will fix that. And so that's why the determination is the word that I'm using for today. So we talked about the division starting this week. We knew after the first quarter, certainly hadn't gone like we want, but nothing has been decided. So I told the team last night, we're certainly looking forward to getting our division started here at home this weekend. Well, of course, I mentioned earlier one of the stats in this one that kind of stood out for me, going three for 12 on third down. Scotty mentioned game plans, and it appeared that the Packers had better game plans on both sides of the ball. Here is Quinn on that three for 12 on third down stat. The game within the game, there's a lot that would have matched up. It was whether it was penalties or rush attempts, but the third down, that to me was where the big shift was. And so it was actually even between the first half and the second half. In the first half, we really struggled on third down. And then the second half, that came more to light. So we had our shots and we had our moments to go nail them. But you've got to go deliver in those spots. And uh, we didn't, especially in the first half. Also talked about the seven big plays of 20 yards or more by the Packers. Here's Quinn on that. Yeah, of course, when you have some guys out, that's going to be a factor. And so you've got to make sure that you can do less, but also at the same time, when you're facing a quarterback like Rodgers, you want to have some disguise that goes along with that. So certainly, you know, losing KZ and Hawk early on, that was a factor for us for sure. But yeah, no doubt about it, execution comes before anything else. Well, Todd Gurley had 57 yards on a handful of carries and did get in the end zone twice. He was asked about being vocal amid the bad start of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's already... Bad just by losing. No one wants to lose. You know, it's, keep saying the same stuff each week. It's not the end of the world, but got to make something shake. You know, got to get a win. Got to make something happen. We got a good division opponent this week playing against the Panthers. So just look on the positive side on that. You know, haven't got to our division yet. So trying to get this first win. But yeah, I mean, everybody just, just going to have to step up, you know, more urgency. Just take our game to another level. While the offense hasn't struggled statistically for the season necessarily, they've struggled in key moments, but they definitely struggled Monday night. Here's Gurley on that. We just didn't come out executing. You know, the first two drives, I think we were just three and out. Didn't take any time off the clock. Didn't get anything going. Just got to start better. We got to start better. We got to finish better. And we just got to keep maintaining and just getting better. A lot of guys came in, you know, guys like OZ. You know, OZ stepped up big time. Never know. Coaches always say, you know, you're only one snap away from playing. And I felt like we just all got to do better for each other. Offensive line, running backs, QBs, tight ends, receivers. We just got to make something happen. Well, maybe they will make it happen this week. One of the guys that hasn't yet made it happen, Dante Fowler. He's been nursing an ankle injury. Here's Fowler, who made a speech last week after a tough loss on what was said after the game in the locker room at Green Bay. Just told him, let's keep fighting, you know. It's a long season. We didn't finish the first quarter how we wanted to finish. Of course, it was not a good first quarter that we wanted to have to start off the season, but we got three more quarters left, got 12 games left, and a lot of stuff can happen in 12 games. So just got to get over this adversity, weather, storm, and just keep fighting. 
All right, and lastly, Matt Ryan talks about this game, the offensive struggles and the third down woes that the Falcons had. In the first half, I thought the second half, beginning of the second half was a little bit better flow for us. Move the ball, we're able to score some touchdowns, but it was a slow start for us for sure. You know, I think there's a number of things. I think, you know, number one is not converting third downs. We need to do a better job of converting on our third down opportunities to keep ourselves on the field. There's a lot of things that go into that. We've got to be more efficient first and second down, give ourselves you know, better looks on third down, but we've got to be better on third down. They did a good job of playing coverage and, and really rushing four most of the night and trying to play man underneath coverage with safety help over the top. They did a good job with it, and they kind of took us out of our rhythm. All right, your sound cuts for this week. And, Scott, we got about four or five minutes here as we have Tyrone Poole standing by. Quick thoughts here. I think Dan Quinn, to a degree, obviously if things don't continue, he is – but to a degree, he's kind of a dead man walking. If they don't manage to find a way to win this game, is that it for Quinn? Well, I think it's hard to say. I mean, to be inside the mind of Arthur Blank, who's undergone this before. And one thing that he's really, you know, he's been the owner since 2002. And, and you, you really go back to the, the firings that he's had in the past. I mean, he fired Dan Reeves. And he came out and said he doesn't like doing that. And that's not a mistake that he will make again unless it's an extreme situation. Now, you chalk this up to an extreme situation, I would certainly think so. But he had Petrino leaving those seven on his own accord in the middle of the season. We all know how that played out. And then, of course, Mike Smith at the end of the season. So I can't see a mid-season coaching change because I think he understands the future of the franchise. Is it going to change with a knee-jerk reaction in the middle? But again, it just depends on what his staff is telling him at the same time. It's really hard to evaluate what he's thinking, but he can be week to week. I mean, there's nothing that surprised me at this point with the fourth start that we've had. Scott, I'm still just stuck on the whole not changing it up. For me, if I'm Arthur Blank, I'm firing Dan Quinn today. That, to me, just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It seems just kind of ignorant to me to seem that, oh, this is going to work. Our scheme works. It's a proven method. It works. And then you just run out. It's like the definition of insanity. I don't get it because clearly it ain't working. It ain't working. Yeah, the philosophy is hard to change mid-season. I mean, there are certain tweaks you can do to your sub-packages, and there are certain things that you can you can implement throughout the week based off what you find on film. Those in-game adjustments should be happening. I think the problem is, is he thinks it can get worse than it already is. And, look, I'm not a coach. I work at the training staff, and I'm not here to bash anybody. But, like you said, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and expecting different results. It's not in his best interest right now to stick with what's not working. We're 0-4 for a reason, and, and it truly, believe me when I tell you, it is 100% coaching. Those defensive backs are not in position to cover like they should be. The linebackers are completely out of sorts on backs and tight ends, and that falls squarely on, on the shoulders of the coaching staff. And what they're going to have to do now is really assess who they have in their lineup because you know we're down to our fifth and sixth safeties. And we just signed J.J. Wilcox, who's a veteran, so he's going to give us a bit of a bump back there on the back end of the defense. But something's got to happen now, and, and we do this interview. I hope and pray that they're up in Flowery Branch going, okay, we're going to scrap it, we're going to try something new. We may see an all-new look against Carolina on Sunday. If that's the case, that could really, really spark something special. But like you said, Rob, to your point, and, and, and well stated, if something's not done immediately with visible change, this is going to continue to spiral out of control more so than it already has. Scotty, thanks as always, man. We appreciate it. We hope when we talk to you next week, there will be a little bit more positive stuff to go over. Hoping so, guys. Enjoy the game.
All right, that is Scott Johns, our insider with the Atlanta Falcons, spending some time with us here in the opening segment of Falcons Flight. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, Falcons Flight, a production of Believe Entertainment. Do you believe? We certainly do. Back with Tyrone Poole, the former NFLer, right after this timeout. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but Hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. Falcons flight rolls on as the 0-4 Falcons host the Carolina Panthers. That, of course, a Sunday game as Atlanta hopes to avoid an 0-5 start. Carolina has played somewhat surprisingly well considering the fact they're really kind of in a full rebuild type of mode. Teddy Bridgewater has done a pretty good job, as has their young defense, and we'll certainly see how that goes. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, and joining us over the phone right now is Tyrone Poole, who, of course, is part of Believe in Carolina Panthers. And, Tyrone, it's great to have you on with us, man. We really appreciate you taking the time today. Let's talk a little bit about this game, first of all. Probably here in Atlanta, people would tell you their biggest rival is New Orleans because of the history and all of that stuff. But you've been a part of these wars a little bit. What are your thoughts on the Carolina-Atlanta rivalry? Well, Brian, thanks for the opportunity to be on the show. You guys doing a wonderful job. Keep it up. Being drafted by Carolina, and first and foremost, I'm a Georgia native, so I want everybody to understand (laughs) that. Born and raised in uh, LaGrange, Georgia, and went to Fort Valley State University, got drafted by Carolina in 95. So I know that Carolina and Falcons tradition, and because they are so close to one another, that what makes the rivalry so intense. You know, Carolina is only a 35-minute flight from Atlanta. That's yep. just taxi in and takeoff. So <laughs> very, very, very close. So I'm very, very, very familiar with 
the way the Panthers feel about Atlanta and being born and raised here in Atlanta, kind of understanding that Southern, you know, Atlanta, we are strong mentality. So it's, it's going, you know, it's always a great battle and it's going to continue to be a great battle. Just unfortunately, you know, the Falcons haven't won a game yet, 0-4, and I know the Falcons fans are getting tired of it in Carolina. They started out 0-2, and they're on a two-game winning streak. And, you know, with COVID-19 happening, it has affected a lot of teams. But still the rivalry of Atlanta versus Carolina. The Carolinians against the ATL, you know, it's a rivalry. From one George Boyd to another one, thanks for coming on the show. One thing I want to ask you, and I'm a fan. I played a little bit as a younger man, but those days are long gone. As a fan and as somebody who's been to the big game twice, you got some serious hardware to sport around town. Give us fans and, and other fans a, a clue of what it's like that entire week. As you know, for four quarters, the entire world is watching you. Well, leading up to the game, the week of the game, basically, you just, you know, it's just a regular regular week of practice, regular week of practice. And most teams, what they do, they don't really start practicing the week they're arriving at the Super Bowl. All of the work has been done while they are still at that facility. And once they take that trip to the Super Bowl venue or the city where they would be playing the Super Bowl, that week is just basically the festivities, all of the reporting, all of the whatever the NFL wants the teams to do while they are still sprinkling in walkthroughs and everything just to remind the players of what we're trying to focus on. But the real work has been put in the week prior to arrival. And just leading up to the game, again, it's just a regular game. You know, it's like a, when I say a regular game, the, the actual hours and the preparation is basically like preparing for a uh, 8-20 game that we see on Sunday night football. But the game is being played at 6.20. It's the cross between a 4 p.m. game and an 8 p.m. game. So you wake up that morning, you have breakfast, uh, you have uh, uh, probably a meeting somewhere for the afternoon, and then after that, guys are just chilling and getting themselves prepared. Uh, making last-minute phone calls for those who make those last-minute phone calls, for those who just want to get some more rest or get into the playbook. And then we come down, we get dressed, we got pregame meal, the first bus leaves. For those guys who like to get out to the stadium, they ride the first bus, then there's a second bus, and then there's a, a late bus. I always took the late bus uh, because I wanted to arrive at the stadium with our game face on it. It's almost like when you go to the store <laughs> and you buy milk, you know, you don't want to have your milk sitting out all day. You want to buy it and transfer it from the grocery store to your refrigerator right then and let it stay cool. So that's why I took the last bus because I wanted, when I left that hotel, whatever my mentality was, I didn't want to wait a long time before I put what I was thinking on the field. What are your thoughts on, A, Teddy Bridgewater, who, of course, is a veteran, a guy who has had success in the league, maybe a bit of a placeholder, also could be a guy who will be there and be entrenched for a long time. And secondary to that, I'd like to get your thoughts on how they've played well the last couple of weeks. They're missing Christian McCaffrey. And the defense, though young, has really come along and has played much better the last couple of weeks. What are your thoughts on those things? Well, Teddy, again, he's the type of quarterback that, they knew what they were getting into. Coach Rule 
Joe Brady. They knew what they were getting. They needed someone that could come in and manage the offense. And that's typically what you're trying to see with Drew Brees. And Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Brady, you know, all these guys kind of have some history with the Saints. And you see Drew Brees does the same thing. He manages that offense very well. And that's what Teddy Bridgewater is doing in Carolina. Again, I've mentioned COVID-19. COVID-19 has wreaked havoc on all 32 teams in the NFL as far as preparation. So when you talk about Carolina and them over the last couple of weeks, I believe, and I said this to anyone that would be willing to listen to me, I said the first four games are going to be like the first four preseason games. And I think after the fourth week, you're going to start to see teams kind of start to jail. We talked about injuries. I believe that there were going to be injuries because of like little minor superficial injuries, hamstring pulls, uh, whatever muscle pulls. So we're beginning to see those. And I think it's all due because of the guys, our bodies not being prepared. You know, it, it, it takes time. It's like making a great hamburger. You got to take it. You got to let that meat marinate. If you want a great steak, you got to let it marinate. If you try to cook it too soon, it's not going to have that flavor. So it's the same thing with athletes. If you don't prepare properly, then you're going to have not great performances. So Carolina's offense, I think, the team, period, is beginning to understand who Joe Brady is and Matt Rule and what they're trying to bring. They're young, they're energetic, so they're having a good turn. As far as the last two weeks, you know, again, they're beginning to jail. Just like I mentioned, Teddy is doing a great job managing the team. So all that is meshing in very well. Defensively, they're still kind of young in the secondary, but the one thing I always say about defense, defense basically is the act type of act. So we will see something on defense and we'll come back and we react to it. So I expected the defense to kind of like, you know, be together quicker than the offense. And again, they're young in the secondary, but they have a good front four and two players basically that I look at when I talk about that front four. You look at uh, Shaq Thompson. You know, Shaq Thompson right now, you know, he's doing very well. And you uh, look at Brian Burns. You know, he's the other guy. And, uh, of course, you have all the other people that they drafted Derrick Brown, defensive lineman, so Matos. So, you know, these guys are really defensively beginning to find their own. And as a team, I think they're beginning to find uh, their own. So, Tyrone, I want to know, do you still got the record in the 200-meter at Fort Valley? Ha, <laughs> ha, hey, that's a blast <laughs> in the past like that. You know what? Actually, I don't. Uh, Ricardo Lockett, Ricardo, who played with the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, had an opportunity to tie me for two Super Bowls coming out of Fort Valley until, until, that memorable, everybody's got that interception. But no, Ricardo broke a 200 and a 100-meter mark. But, hey, you know what? My name still is all up in the conversation, kind of like Jordan and LeBron. Exactly. Jordan and LeBron. <laughs> so My another, name is never going to go away in Fort Valley. <laughs> so another question I got for you as somebody who played in the league, you played for Bill Belichick. It yeah. looks like the Falcons may be in the market for a new head coach. We're going to talk about this when we hop off with you. i got a few names. But in, in your mind, in your opinion, as you bump around the league and, and keep up with things, who's that next Bill Belichick, and how do we get him in Atlanta? It's almost like when you look at Gale Sears, you look at Jim Brown, you look at some of these guys, Michael Jordan, you look at Bill Nicholson, or you look at any great 
person that you look at, you say, wow, that's a once-in-a-lifetime person. You know, there are people that would try to duplicate, but they would never be able to truly be that person. I think Bill Belichick is just one of those coaches. He is one of those coaches that you're probably not going to see the likes of him. Uh, you know, you'll probably see people that try to imitate him, like Bill Walsh. They try to imitate Bill Walsh, but they never could become Bill Walsh. But you see a lot of people doing stuff that Bill Walsh did. So I think you're going to see a lot of people try to emulate success that Bill Belichick has put and brought to New England. Now, let's also remind people now, you got to also give your head coach an opportunity because when he first started out and started out in Cleveland, they wanted they they ran him out of Cleveland. Yep. But now I'm pretty sure if you ask the Cleveland Brown fans, do you want Bill Belichick back? <laughs> yeah. You want to give him another try? <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they say yes. But I don't know who that person is. I think everybody's unique in their own way. But I do believe this. I'll say this in closing to that question: is every offense is built off of three types of offenses. I believe if you look at what the game of football is being played, and that's basically what it narrows down to. How much does the coach know about what he's trying to bring to the team, offensively or defensively? And offensively, you had a West Coast offense, something that simulates the West Coast offense, or something to, to run and shoot, or the air courier. Look at any offense state, but it's the, uh, the read option. All that stuff is really good at it. it comes from those, one of those three offenses. And I think what made Belichick so great, he took what he knew and he stayed with it. He stuck with it. And once you got that system rolling, a la uh, Nick Saban at Alabama, it's unstoppable. But so many days, so many times, these coaches try to pick this type of offense or run this type this type of defense. And they don't really understand the offense or the defense, so they don't give themselves an opportunity to be a great coach, and they don't give their players an opportunity to realize and reach their potential in that defense. Because the players don't understand, because the coach don't quite understand. Tyrone, I always have said that one of the most important intangibles in football, and really any sport for that matter, is culture. And you were a yeah. part of several great cultures. You were drafted by Bill Polian when he was in Carolina. You were yeah. with Bill Polian when he was in Indianapolis. Now, granted, you were there for the Jim Mora playoffs years. You know, <laughs> I, was, I was in the press room when that happened, by the way. But you were also a part of Bill Belichick's culture in New England. Offer your thoughts, if you will, on culture and how important that is and why consistency matters, keeping guys and keeping your belief systems and whatnot in place to make culture what it is and the important intangible that it is. You know what? That is very important, the culture, the consistency. And like you mentioned, you know, Bill Polian. Bill Polian came from a culture before he came to Carolina. Yeah. He came from a culture with Buffalo, where Buffalo had that culture. Now, they got to the Super Bowl and didn't win it, but they had built a culture to where they expected to win. And what I call that culture, I call it script. You have to speak the same language, you understand the same way, and you think the same way. And when you can build that type of culture, then you build a system that you're always winning. Uh, again, Bill Polian, I believe they had that good SUT in Buffalo. He brought it to Carolina. Our first year, we go 79. Next year, we one game away from the Super Bowl. And then he left to go to Indianapolis and built the same culture there. Good. Everybody spoke the same language. We understood the same thing, and we thought the same way. Now you go back to Belichick. Same thing in that culture. 
So these are the things that I see that if you're going to win in the NFL, like you mentioned the word culture, I think the culture involves the ingredients of speaking the same language, understanding the same way, and thinking the same way. And if you don't have that locker room like that, and that's very important that the locker room thinks like that, coaches think like that. If you don't get that in there, it's not going to happen. I know the Falcons brought in the brotherhood and everything like that, but how many people actually believe in the brotherhood? It can't be an emotional thing. It can't be an emotional thing. It can't be, well, okay, uh, we won a couple of games. Everybody's on top. Let's get emotional brotherhood. No, it has to be a brotherhood when things are down, when things are gone. i give you another prime example, and I'll quit on that answer as well. I can go on and on, guys. Just let me know. I love talking football. But <laughs> When you go back into New England, when I was there, when I first got there in 03, they released uh, Lawyer Malloy, big part of the program in New England. They brought in Rocky Harris. Okay, but the players may have changed, but the coach speaking the same language, understanding the same thing, thinking the same way. That's why a lot of players, when they go to New England, they don't stay because they start trying to do things their old way of doing it. And you can't do that. You're in a new culture, a new system. This is how we do it. And this is how it's been proven. So that's what I would say as far as the culture and the consistency. Speaking, understanding, thinking, no matter who's there, speaking, understanding, thinking is consistent in that culture if you want to win. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. And I just wonder now what kind of culture the Falcons do have. I, I don't know that they have an established culture. I don't think the brotherhood was a real culture or, or a movement or anything like that. I think everybody was fired up about it in the first season or two, but you don't hear much about that anymore. And I'm just at a loss as a Falcons fan. I mean, we've had football in Atlanta since, what, 66? So in mm -hmm. 50 years, it's been, it's been a rough go. We've had some highs and lows, but, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, we got rid of Mike Smith, whose overall record with the Falcons was 66 and 46 with four playoff trips. Wins 43 and 41 now. And in my mind, I think it's time for a change. I think it's time for a breath of fresh air. I know Arthur doesn't like to get rid of people in the middle of the season, but the Twitterverse is already lit up with Arthur knows what he's doing. He's going to ride it out with Dan, and the Falcons get a top-five pick. This will lead up to my question. Who do you think might yeah. be the best fit or the best piece to come in and take over the Falcons should that happen? Well, first and foremost, I think you look at, if I'm a coach or if I'm Arthur Blank, and I've said this uh, many, 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 many people. When you look at the teams that win, and anybody, you know, go and look at what I'm about to say. Go and look up the number of people that they have making decisions in their organization. Now, you're not going to find too many teams where they are winning consistently and they have a lot of people making decisions. Usually it's the owner. You may have the president. And they have the GM, you got the head coach. Those are the people. You look at the Green Bay Packers, you know, you look at Pittsburgh Steelers, you go look at the Patriots. You go look at teams that have consistency in their winning. I feel like you have too many people to answer, too many people that put a board. Now, that's good for maybe corporations. So when you're running a sports team, even though it's a business, I think you got to be able to listen to a small amount of people, people who've done it. And you can't please everybody. You're going to make some people mad. You may have to cut somebody. Again, going back a la New England, the fans were upset when they let Lori Malloy go. But Bill said this is a decision that is best 
support the football team. And go ask the fans, are they upset? Yeah, they still love lawyer, lawyer. You know, he's a great player there. So as far as when it comes to the Falcons, again, I think Arthur Blank has to look at the fact that, you know, who is in his ear and what is the right movement for the team. Look at the personnel. Uh, some of the guys, you may have to let them go. Trade them right now, a la Jimmy Johnson with the Dallas Cowboys. So Jimmy got there. They bring in the first, his first year at the, at the ham of the uh, Dallas Cowboys. They had Herschel Walker. They decided, hey, we're going to trade the best thing we got because we got to start building for the future because we've already tried to utilize what we had in the cabinet, in the refrigerator, so to speak. You guys got me on food this morning or this <laughs> afternoon. But, uh, uh, so we've already tried to utilize what we got in the cupboard. And it's not making the cake the way we want it. So we're going to have to get rid of what we have and restock. So what is the best thing that we can build with what we got? You know what? The Cowboys trade to Herschel Walker, that blockbuster trade. They got all kinds of draft picks. Boom. The Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson, they built a mammoth machine in Dallas. Then, of course, you know, uh, two egos couldn't stay on, you know, stay on the same page and, that busted up the Dallas Cowboys. So I think here with the Falcons, the same thing probably has to happen. What do we have that is very viable right now that we can give to another team and they can give us future draft picks? Because right now you may have to let go of that dream of winning right now. I know they just got the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They're trying to feel it. But you know what? I think if you truly let the fans know you truly, truly, truly trying to build a culture of winning, like you said, consistency and just coach. I believe the fans will come to that Mercedes-Benz Stadium and they will fill it up. But I don't think you continue to deal with something that has not worked in the past. Sometimes you just have to scrap it and say, okay, hey, let's start back over. So Arthur Blake has to make that decision and the coaches coming in have to look at what's the best that we have that we can get rid of to a point to help build a team. That's you know what I think. Tyrone, final thing for you. The one thing you have seen up close is that things can change fairly quickly. You joined Carolina at a point where they were only a couple of years old as a franchise. Of course, in Indianapolis, you went from 3-13 and one year to 13-3 and the next year with the emergence of Peyton Manning. Then you went from 7-9 and to a winning team in another situation, as you talked about. It can change quickly if you get the right pieces in yeah. place. You're right, Brian. That can change. And I've seen it happen. I know it can happen. And, you know, you can have the pieces. And, again, the Falcons have the pieces. So they've had those pieces for a long time. And when we were building in Indianapolis, we did not have the pieces. We had older pieces that they were changing the culture. So we were getting rid of pieces but bringing in pieces. Same thing in the Carolina, same format. And any culture that I've been a part of, since we use that word culture, that is what has happened. The coaches, and I go back to the late Al Davis, God rest his spirit. The great late Al Davis said, you can always find coaches, but you can't find great players. So, like you said, that culture can change very quickly in Atlanta. So I don't want the Falcons fans to give up, you know, hope, because it can change. But the culture, like you spoke of, somewhere or another, they've got to find an identity. Who are we on offense? Who are we on defense? I know we got a lot of injuries, but still, the next man up has to come up with that same mentality. And Dan Quinn, I think, he did a great job in Seattle. I think he tried to bring that culture to Atlanta, and it didn't kind of like work out, but 
things can turn around very quickly, but if they're going to turn around, they need to turn around quickly now with a change at the ham, head coach, or player themselves need to dive in deeper with what Dan Quinn is trying to do and establish a culture on offense and defense. That's just me talking. That's just 12 years of starting in the NFL. (laughs) Man, we greatly appreciate your insight, Tyrone. It's been terrific, man. You've given us really good answers. Want to promote your show. You host it with Desmond Johnson, Believe in Carolina Panthers. Thanks a whole bunch, man, for joining us and taking the time today. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Robert, as well. Thank you, guys. All right. Tyrone Poole, the former NFL cornerback, multiple stops, couple Super Bowl rings along the way, spending some time with us. And we encourage you to check out their show, Believe in Carolina Panthers. Time for us to take a break, but fear ye not. Coming up next, the world-famous Swirly segment comes at you after we talk a little bit more football. Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor. We also appreciate Scott Johns joining us in the opening segment of the show. And this is Falcons Flight, a production of Believe Entertainment. Do you believe? We do. Back after this. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but Hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. It is Falcons flight. What a great visit with Tyrone Poole, the former NFL cornerback who started in the league for 12 years and is a part of Believe in Carolina Panthers right here on the Believe Entertainment Network. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor. This is Falcons flight as Atlanta hopes to get off the schneid taking on Carolina at Mercedes-Benz Stadium this weekend. And, Robert, I think before we – go to the world famous or soon to be world famous swirls 
I think you're a play here, a play there, away from being two and two here. The glass is half full in some cases, half empty in others, but it's not like you've just completely laid down and been beaten like a dog here. I mean, you've had your chances and really should have won two games. You basically snatched defeat from the jaws of victory twice. I don't want to say the Falcons are laying down because whoever wants to think of an NFL franchise is rolling over, and I don't think that's the case. What I'm still just hung up on, and I cannot believe because football is all about adjustments and change and, and film and, and, and looking and seeing what's working and what isn't working. And Scott's comments were alarming. They're just hard-headed. He said stubborn a few times. And they're not making adjustments. And they're running out that this scheme works, our defense works. Well, it doesn't. It's not working. Clearly it's not working. And, hey, I'm all for the players, you know, that they have come out in strong support of Dan Quinn. They have. I'm not questioning Dan Quinn's character or anything like not that. At all. But reading this, just this little blurb and, and talking with Tyrone, when Quinn was hired and Mike Smith was fired, Mike Smith was 20 games over 500. Yeah. Dan Quinn's two losses away from being a 500 coach. So for me, I think. The Dan Quinn era should come to an end. Should they wait the entire season? Probably. Because, hey, I'll say this. As much as his players love him and he got us to a Super Bowl, do we owe it to him? I don't know if we owe it to him to give him the opportunity to turn it around. He's a very talented football team. There's no doubt about the level of talent. Has the guy had some bad luck with injuries on the defensive side of the ball? You're darn right he has. Another Achilles injury to another player. But, you know, Julio's got a nagging hamstring. We've had some other guys with nagging little ticky-tack injuries. And I know strength and conditioning can't really prevent freakish injuries like Achilles and ACLs. But but stretching and all that can certainly help, can certainly cut down on those injuries. So, I mean, I could be wrong. You wonder around the league, too. You look at some of the players the 49ers lost and other teams have lost. I mean, I think everybody expected early in the season you were going to see injuries that were as much related to a whole different training camp regime, everything else, in this weird year that has been 2020. That is true. They haven't been able to do the normal protocol, and, and, they, and a lot of players you know, have been left to their own devices to take care of their bodies, which, I, I mean, for every guy in the NFL that does, there's one or two that don't. I mean, everybody knows how that goes. But I guess before we wrap it up, For those of you who do think it's time for a change and you're out there asking who can we get, who's available, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because, hey, here's what I'm going to do you a favor while you sit at wherever you might be. You're a construction worker or you work in a cubicle. I'm going to give you a reason to get on your phone. If work's slow, I'm going to give you a reason to read a little about the Atlanta Falcons. So here's some guys just, you know, off the top. It could be available to come in and replace Dan Quinn. you got Eric Bieniemy. I believe he running back for the Chargers a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colorado before that, University of Colorado, that is. So Chiefs offensive coordinator. Look what he's done out there. Holy cow. You got Joe Woods, the Browns defensive coordinator. And I hope I get his name right. Robert, is it Saleh? Yes. Robert Saleh. He's the 49ers defensive coordinator. One that jumped out at me was Byron Leftwich, but if you think about it, he's been under Bruce Arians, and now he's under Tom Brady, so he's probably learning a lot. Guy that's been mentioned a lot of times and for other head coaching jobs, and according to this article, this is the Sporting News, Matt Eberflus. Yeah, Eberflus. Uh-huh. Eberflus, Colts defensive coordinator. That you know, he's out there. And now here's the here's the hot one, the young guy, 
because he's connected to Sean McVay. Kevin O'Connell, he's the Rams defensive coordinator. Patrick Graham, the Giants defensive coordinator. And this one's interesting, too, and Tyrone mentioned him, Joe Brady. Now, everybody knows that Joe Brady was under Sean Payton in New Orleans, but he also just recently got the greatest season out of a college quarterback ever in the history of football in Joe Burrow, and he's a young guy. So there's eight guys that you can look up, read, and figure out, like, maybe who your guy or our guy or the guy is, but... Well, the cautionary tale, of course, is you always have to have players, as Tyrone alluded to. And I'll give you another example. Adam Gase with the Jets, also late of the Dolphins, was a hot coordinator a couple of years ago. But he's been in two different spots where the players, the cards he's had to play, so to speak, have been a little bit suspect and or haven't gotten the job done. And obviously that directly reflects on the coach, fair or not. It's just the nature of the thing. One last thing on Dan Quinn, and of course, you know, week five is just about here. I think when it's all said and done, whenever that is, Dan Quinn's era is always going to be remembered for these amazing ways to lose big leads and lose games. And I think it's because it's happened on such large stages and in such incredible ways. Yeah, and that's unfortunate for him. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, you know, stay in Atlanta, which I I don't know. To me, the only way he stays is if they have some magnificent turnaround like the 92 Chargers. I don't see any other reason that he does stay in Atlanta. And actually, the fact that he's 43 and 41 is a little disturbing. We replaced him with a coach that was 20 games above 500 and six seasons with the level of talent that he's had. I think the Falcons should have and could have done better. This week's game should determine, I think, or play a large role in determining whether this is Dan Quinn's time or not. Speaking of time, Robert, what time is it? Swirly time, swirly time, swirly time, swirly time. The Falcons flight crew is intolerant of Jack Azaray. There is a special place where morons are plunged headlong into a blue vortex of irony. Yes, they are where imbeciles are irrigated, dumbasses are drenched, and abject idiocy rinsed away. Totally. Where pompous assery comes face to face with porcelain. That's my favorite line. Where chlorine, tidy bowl, and bleach (laughs) administer swift, swirling justice. It does. This is our Game of Thrones. It is. Where mindsets and hairstyles are forever altered. They are. It is the Falcon's Flight Swirly segment. Now let's get this party started. It always sounds so serious, considering what it is we're about to do here. But it is time for the soon-to-be world-famous Swirly segment. We remind you this is Falcon's Flight, a presentation of Believe Entertainment. I'm Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor. Thanks a bunch to Scott Johns as well as Tyrone Poole for spending some time with us today on the show. And as we get into swirlism, if such a word exists, and if it doesn't, well, it does now, I'll get this started. It won't be a shock to you, Robert, where this originates, but... A Florida man accused of impersonating a police officer wound up in handcuffs himself this week, accused of pulling over an off-duty Orlando cop, local reports said. The 40-year-old Omar Ford allegedly told investigators he was on his way home from his security guard job 
when he saw another car he thought was swerving with an impaired driver, according to Orlando-based WKMG-TV. Ford's company, he told police, is called Criminal Task Force, the outlet reported. That name was on his vest, and he wore a badge, a gun, and a taser, authorities said. Ford reportedly told police he pulled alongside the off-duty officer's blue BMW to say something. Then when the BMW driver asked if he was being pulled over, Ford told authorities he told the man to slow down. But the officer then got behind Ford's car, flashed his own lights, and they stopped together further down the road. The officer, identified by WFTV as Zachary Price, called 911. And I quote, when Ford tried to stop me, I looked over and saw. Since he's a policeman himself, of course, this officer knew about the uniforms, jurisdictions, etc., etc. He knew it wasn't a Castleberry or Seminole County or state trooper, so he called the cops right away to get this person stopped. Castleberry police arrived. They said they found Ford did not have a valid driver's license. He was charged with impersonating an officer, driving with a suspended license, and uh, was released after posting a bond. Hey, Ford, here's your reward. Get over here. That's it, boy. Get in there nice and deep. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. And uh, I think, you know, pulling over a cop when you're not a cop and you're impersonating a cop certainly qualifies. <laughs> you know, I just had a thought while we were going through that whole swirly segment. Do you know who the Falcons need to turn it around to, to really find something to bring it all together? Lou Brown. Exactly. He's done it before. He can do it again. Starting to come together, boys. Lou Brown for head coach of the Falcons. I'm, I'm going to get that bitch on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's over to you for swirls. So... Mine definitely isn't, I don't know if it, it probably is just as good, but I went to the sports world again, but not in the NFL. I'm in Major League Baseball again, and we all know that I haven't watched a lot this year because I was, I haven't watched uh, any. Very little, very little. There's been some playoffs on in the restaurant, and I've watched it, and as much as I tell people I'm boycotting because of the buffoonery that went on in the MLB earlier on in the season, that I'm just saying, hey, enough, I'm millionaires, blah, blah, blah. Everybody knows. I'm not going to waste your time. But the Atlanta Braves right now are in an NLDS with the Florida Marlins. You want to know what happened again yesterday, Brian? Go ahead. They hit Ronald Acuna <laughs> again. Wow. And if the MLB doesn't come out and hand something down to him, a statement, a warning, a fine, something, it's ridiculous. They've hit this guy five or six times now, and they keep going to the, oh, we didn't mean to. Ah, whatever. Isn't Whatever. it always Urania who hits him? It's uh, Most of the time it's been Urania. It, it has, but yesterday it was Alcantar. Alcantara. Alcant yeah, Sandy, I believe, is his first name. I, and I don't have his name really available. But the fact of the matter is, is, hey, I'm an old school guy, and I'm still for retaliation, and hey, this guy did that, let's beat him. But this is getting borderline ridiculous now. So you're swirling the Miami Marlins? Yeah, I'm going to call them the Florida Marlins, <laughs> the fish. Seriously, man, like grow up. Hey, stop hitting our boy because it's not our fault. You can't get him out. <laughs> I saw a stat that said Acuna gets hit every other team once in every, like, 82.4 at-bats. But against the Marlins, it's once every 40 at-bats. Wow. But whatever. It's just the fact that in, in, from last season till the shortened 60-game season this year, they've been that guy five or six times. So 
Just get over yourselves and knock it off, Marlins, and get in the tank where you belong. Hey, Marlins, you're about to become the Swirlers, darlings. Get over here. That's it, boy. Get in there nice and deep, That teal clashes. Don't nobody go in the bathroom for about 35, 45 minutes. <laughs> Somebody open the window. You see the peanut? Dead giveaway. <laughs> that teal clashes with the blue water in the swirler, but hopefully the bleach will take care of that. Speaking of taking care of it, that'll about take care of this episode of Falcon's Flight. Distinct pleasure packed show today to have Scott Johns aboard and Tyrone Poole, what a great guest he was. We got a lot of really good stuff out of Tyrone Poole. Believe in Carolina Panthers, the name of their show. Join him and Desmond Johnson for that one. It is my distinct pleasure to say thanks to Robert Taylor directly to my right and all of you for downloading this show. Falcons Flight, a production of Believe Entertainment. Do you believe? We do. Out. So long. Thank you for listening to Falcons Flight. Tune in throughout the season for updates, insights, and analysis on the Dirty Birds. Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.